Good morning, Church of God. Um, I counted a privilege to to uh, be a part of this brotherhood, uh, and I find it a blessing. Um, I find it invaluable for me as it relates to being a child of God, and in being a child of God. I get this realization that we have all these resources at our disposal and that we have been given. It's a gift and we are to use them for his glory as we walk in obedience. And, and I think that should be our desire to walk in light, in light of that. Um, I was approached three days ago to have this opening and my initial reaction was like, I just... I had a debate, and but the Lord had put something on my heart, and I've been turning it around for several weeks, um, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to share. Um, and so, uh, it's not something I enjoy, but when I look at it from from all angles, I find that it's an opportunity to share God's word to God's people, and I think that's very precious. When I look at it from that perspective, I find a blessing. And uh, I don't know, I, I feel like when the Lord gives you a word, you should be excited because it means that he's speaking to you and hopefully he can speak through you um, because it's a confirmation that he's at work in our lives. Um, so, yeah, the title of my opening is A Life Poured Out. Um, uh, but before we get, we get into that, I'd like to open up with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you again this opportunity lord to gather here as your people to hear your word lord i pray that you would illuminate your word to us this morning lord i pray that you would fill this room with your with your spirit lord i pray that the enemy would have no room lord as i as he comes to try to destroy and distract the word that is being brought lord i pray that there would be no room no place for him in this room, Lord. Fill our hearts with your love, with your joy, with your presence, Lord, so that we could have the boldness and the zeal, the courage, Lord, to be a light in this dark world, in these dark, troubling times that we're facing, Lord. Help us to be a bright, shining beacon, Lord. Again, we ask for you to be with us this morning. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So... In the last couple morning meetings, uh, or it's been a couple weeks, uh, I saw a word, or maybe it was a phrase uh, that resurfaced several times in some of the chapters that we were reading, and it prompted me to do a little thinking, a little research and studying, and in the little bit that I've studied, I found it to be a real blessing, and the phrase is giving of alms, or almsgiving. Um, which is also sometimes referred to uh, the subject. Now, I understand that when we talk about alms, anyway, for me, my mind goes to giving money, doing charitable deeds, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, but let me assure you that that's not what it is. There's, that's part of it, but it, there's a lot more to it than that. The Greek word translated in the New Testament originally meant mercy or kindness. So almsgiving, 
uh, means mercy or kindness. It then came to represent the kind deeds caused by mercy and kindness. So it came to mean charitable giving to the poor or giving motivated by love. And many times this word is translated as charitable deed. So as you see, the word alms has evolved a little bit into today's definition of giving to the poor. But let me make two things clear. The first is that the word alms doesn't exclude giving to the poor. The second is that giving of alms is not some sort of mystical thing that's a silver bullet to Christianity. It's a proof of our Christianity, not a product of our Christianity. Um, and in other words, when we have a heart of mercy and kindness, it's proof that God lives in us rather than now that I say that I love God, I have to come forth, I have to produce these deeds of, of mercy and kindness. Um, I'm not sure if you follow me, but if you take the example of Cornelius, uh, which I'll touch on later, but would you say that the giving of alms was a proof that he was a child of God or that the giving of alms was a product of him being a child of God? Was he saved in the giving of alms or did he give alms because he was saved? And maybe I'm trying to split hairs here, but I do feel like there's a difference. The thing that I find misleading about giving alms is that the English translation makes it to sound as if almsgiving is an act, when in reality it's a lifestyle. Almsgiving is not an act, but rather a lifestyle. And we're going to get into some verses where, where I hope to, to bring that out. As I mentioned previously, the Greek translation originally meant mercy or kindness. And to me, that speaks of a lifestyle, not a random act. And I'm going to share a few scriptures um, that I feel that bring the, the first scripture I have is in Luke 11. Um, this was one of the scriptures that came out to me as we were going through our morning meetings. Um, I found that nestled in there. And that is, yeah, 11, Luke 11. I'm going to read that. Verse 39 to 42. And the Lord said unto him, uh, I think this was to Simon. Uh, he was at the house of the Pharisee. Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness? Ye fools, did not he that that made that which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So the point I'm trying to make here is that almsgiving is not a random act of service, but rather lifestyle. And I know from the King James Version, it's hard to take that away from it. So I'm going to read this also in the ESV. I think that uh, brings it out a lot better. And the Lord said unto him, Now do you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness? You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These, ought you, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Here it speaks of giving alms that are within. I mean, what, what does that mean? 
I think it speaks of, like it says, justice and the love of God, as it says in verse 42. Um, it speaks of kindness and mercy, and we can read into this what we want. But I, I feel like at the end of the day, giving of alms is simply pouring ourselves out in service to others, motivated out of a heart of love and compassion. I'm going to take you to another scripture found in Luke 12. That's the next chapter. Also found that as we were going through the morning meeting. Um, this scripture, Jesus starts out talking about the man who built large barns, torn down, built bigger ones. Um, so that he could live in comfort and ease for the rest of his life. Um, now, this scripture is probably as uh, widely debated as to what exactly that could mean. And we could probably all take something different out of it and still be right. But let me suggest um, the problem here was it was all about self. Um, instead of giving alms or serving others with what he was given, he was patting himself on the back for having accumulated all this stuff that he was going to consume upon himself. And uh, so as we keep on going through the scripture, through Luke 12, um, it further goes on to talk about trusting in our Heavenly Father. It speaks of the fowls of the air who have no barns to store their food, and yet they're well taken care of. And then it seems that Jesus summarizes this train of thought here in Luke 12. Um, Luke 12, I'm going to read 31 and verse 34 now. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags with wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Does this not speak of a lifestyle? Um, notice here, verse 33, sell that you have and give alms, serve others. It's, it's, it's talking about serving others. Learn of Jesus' example. Jesus says of himself, Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And oh, that God would give us this heart, a heart that seeks not to be ministered unto, but to minister to others. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, um, but it takes faith. It takes faith to walk in this, and it takes obedience. Um, the kingdom of God is built on this, these three things. Now, when I say that it's built on these three things, that's, these are not exclusive or a comprehensive list, but I feel like these are core foundational uh, principles, cornerstones. It's built on these three things, faith, love, and obedience. Um, and when you find these three things at work and alive in your heart, you will find communion with Christ. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm not there. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get there, but it's, it's a work in progress. It's a journey. And it's a work that God does in every individual that loves him. And I hope that that work can be completed in me. Now, I mentioned earlier about Cornelius. Um, I was going to read the account there. But for the sake of time, I'll just try to relate to, to you briefly what I'd like to take out of that. If you will remember, uh, what two things does the scripture point out about Cornelius? It says he gave much alms and prayed always. Those two things. Because of those, these two things, he was chosen 
from the scriptures, an example. He was deemed a believer. Now, remember the two greatest commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It's obvious to me that Cornelius was living that. The fact that he prayed always tells me that he loved God with all his heart. And the fact that he gave much alms tells me that he loved to serve others. Now, remember what I said earlier. The kingdom of God is built on faith, love, and obedience. And I feel like it's a shame to add the word obedience to this mixture here. Uh, because true faith is obedience. Um, faith is not faith if it's not acted upon. And I think we touched this a little bit uh, yesterday at the, at the meeting. Faith is a verb, not a noun. Remember that. So faith, love, and obedience. How many of these uh, do we find evident in the life of Cornelius? I believe all three. His faith in God motivated him to pray always. His love for God and others motivated him to give and serve. And obedience executed all the above. I have another scripture I'd like to share with you. Acts 9, I want to read 36 to verse 41. This is the account of Dorcas. The, the, uh, and uh, yeah, I'd like to share that with you. Um, this has been something that has really blessed me. Um, the example of this, this, this lady here. Acts 9, 36 to 41. Now there was a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that they would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows presented her alive. Now, this story is perhaps a bit obscure, but I think there's a lot we can take out of it. Scripture tells us that she was full, this lady was full of good works and alms, deed, alms deeds. Now, I origi originally thought that Dorcas was a widow, um, but there's, yeah, there's, we really can't, I can't really find anything to back that up. Um, but the reason I liked, I, I like, uh, I'd like to bring this example in here is because it, it illustrates how that not many mighty are called. As it says in Corinthians, um, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Um, God uses a humble woman to build his kingdom. She gave herself to serving others and touched many lives by what? By simply doing what she could by sowing. And the point I'm trying to make here is this. A lot of times, and I'm speaking for myself here, we look to serve God in the big things. We, we have this thing, this idea I do, being a missionary is way up here and everything tapers down from that. Um, you've got preachers and evangelists and whatever. Um, but I think if you are truly a child of God, you are a missionary wherever you are. Whatever it is that we're good at, sowing, 
reading or writing, teaching, um, we can take that and give it to God and he can use that to build his kingdom and to reach others. It can be singing. There's a lot of things. Uh, we could make a, a long list here. The key is making ourselves available. And uh, this whole thing about alms deeds is not about money. I'm sure Dorcas didn't have a lot of money. God's kingdom is not built on money. Um, and if you disagree with me, tell me in which of the six days of creation did God create money? God does not need money to build his kingdom. What he really needs is willing people like you and me, humble people. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31, for ye see your calling. I mentioned this earlier, this I, I spoke about it a little bit. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise men after, after the flesh. Um, and I thank God for that because I feel like I'd be left out if that was the case. And maybe most of us would have been passed over. None of us would be able to stand in his presence if he would have chosen the mighty, the noble, the wise men after the flesh. But he didn't. He called you and he called me. And the question is, how are we doing with that, brothers? Are we faithful in our calling is jesus christ made unto us wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption so to recap what really inspired me in this subject of almsgiving is this number one it is not a random act of charity but a lifestyle of serving born out of love and a hunger towards god to be manifest in us number two almsgiving is not about money god doesn't need your money or my money he needs our willing humble heart he can accomplish a lot more with a pliable heart than with all the money in the world. And again, the example of Dorcas really challenged me. We had the saying, uh, when I grow up, I want to be like so-and-so. Um, I, I would say that about Dorcas, but what I really mean is when I grow in Christ and mature, I hope to be more like Dorcas. And I'm sure we all desire the same. But are we taking positive steps in that direction? Are we walking today in submission to Christ? Are we being faithful to the church and upholding its values? Or do, do we create our own independent to the church? And I know that's a challenge, but I think together we can get there. And I thank you all for listening.